Radio. This is the ISM report on business with Tim Fiore, who is the committee chair from the Institute for Supply Management. And the Manufacturing Talk Radio podcast is brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group as its sponsor. Always look forward to Tim joining us, Lou, because he's got all the latest and greatest on what's happening out in the world of manufacturing. Tim, thanks for being with us. Good to be here, guys. Welcome, welcome again. Uh, and next month, it's going to be 10 years that we will be doing this report with the Institute of Supply Management. Wow, a whole decade. A whole decade. How many cycles? That's got to be three. Got to be three manufacturing expansion cycles. Absolutely. Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Is that counting COVID? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, we're in one now, but we're getting close to running out of steam here. It feels like we're getting really close. It could have could have easily been forty nine nine. Instead, it was fifty point nine. So, I, I you know we've like I've said before, in the last twenty two years, we've had six manufacturing expansions. And they average about 34 to 35 months. This one, I was hopeful this one would exceed that because of the supply chain governor that's held back, allowing us to peak. But I don't know now. I think the I think the Fed, when the Fed jumped in in March, he, they did some stuff here that's just slowing stuff down. And then it's an interesting report. So 50.9, we, we underperformed, we disappointed. The, the community pretty much thought we'd be 52. Uh, not sure where they got that guidance, but whatever, 52. I, I think the most important thing is that we clearly have had a shift on the employment side. Now, you know, demand is softening again, the fifth straight month of softening. Uh, and that softening was meant that we still weren't piling on to excessive lead times. And so we had, we've had five months of kind of bringing that lead time down, although our published lead times were only down about six to 8% over the last three months. So they still haven't moved enough, but they're starting to come down. Uh, we've had prices essentially near, near parity now. We have suppliers delivering, you know, slightly stressed, not heavily stressed. We had production pretty much flat to the prior month. And the big story was really the employment number contracting 47 and some change. So up for the, you know, the last two, two and a half years, the reason that number was contracting was either because we couldn't get enough people to show up, if you remember a year ago, and then about nine months ago, we had a whole bunch of people quitting. So we couldn't keep up with the quits rate. Now it's kind of clear that that whole dynamic has changed and we're now managing to a lesser headcount. And the reason I'm going to say that is that, you know, think, think about the last 15 months, we've been pretty much running, let's call it a 10 to one ratio, higher versus force managed. So for every 11 companies, 10 of them were hiring. One was either uh, not hiring, laying off, hiring freeze or trading down. That number changed to two to one in the month of September. And that's a huge difference. So for every three companies that reported on, that I was able to discern whether they were hiring or not, two of them were still hiring, but one was not. So it's a huge shift in percent. And I, I suspect it's gonna continue. So you dig into that a little bit deeper, especially in the production comments section and the degree of optimism versus non-optimism is one-to-one. -one. So, you know, I've been giving you sentiment at the headline uh, comment number, sentiment of five, six to one, meaning five for every six companies, uh, only one of them really felt concerned about the future. It's hard now for me to tell that in the, in the, the top level 
And I think it's more important to now look at the factory production output. And I'll tell you why in a minute. So the, the sentiment in the production side is one-to-one, -one, meaning that for every two people you ask, one is, is pretty positive about the moderate to long-term demand. One you know, clearly is not. So, and, and the, the other thing back to the employment side, the good thing is there wasn't many comments around layoffs. There was some comments, more than the prior month, but not a lot. The, the, the comments were about, okay, we still have people quitting. We're going to hold before we replace them. Or we put a hiring freeze in place, period. That, those are good signs to me. That means the near-term demand, call it October, November, December, is still in a pretty good place. Because you know if you knew you were falling off the cliff, you don't want to lay people off in November, December. It just never feels good. It, it just feels like bad planning. You never want to lay anybody off at the holidays. And you kind of don't want to lay them off in the first week of January either after they built up this huge credit card bill. So, but what everybody's doing is they're freezing. So they see it coming in a moderate to long-term. So they're starting to freeze hiring. And when people are quitting, say two people quit, they're replacing one. So they're trying to manage their way there. And I think what that's going to do is that's going to really manage the output. And so they're not going to run for the peak. They're going to manage to a stable output consistent with their headcount. So that's a lot in the last five minutes. Well, I'm going to throw in my two cents on this one. Not particularly scientific, but factual to the extent that it's worked for me for the last 20, 30 years. The month of September, the first two weeks of the month of September are usually pretty poor because people are coming back from vacations, kids are going to school, uh, starting to go back to school, um, and people aren't doing a lot of marketing in that first two weeks. The second two weeks, all of a sudden things pick up, but it doesn't make up a whole month in the last two weeks. October, then everything sort of returns to normal. And I'm sort of projecting, um, you're hearing it first, I think October typically goes up. And I think that the ISM number in October will be higher than it is right now at 50.9. Okay, we'll see. This is not scientific. Well, all right, let me give you some facts. Go. Demand is clearly, uh, clearly weakened. And the reason I'm saying that is, you know, okay, the headline number 47 and some change. All right, that's fine. That, we could attribute that really to extended lead times. New export orders contracting again at a faster rate. Lots of comments around Europe, uh, primarily comments around Europe being really sluggish. And I don't see that getting fixed in the short term. Right. So then you look at the customer inventories level, the first time over 40 in 20 some odd months. So, all right. So the cu our customers' inventory is starting to fill up. And it's still too low, I think, at 41 and some change. But 45, 46 is about right. I mean, it's about right. I'm, and I've never seen it at, 55. And then, you know, couple that with backlogs now almost contracted. So I don't know if you, if you don't have demand and, and you're starting to trip people down, I'm not sure how you grow much, Lou, in, in October. I got a double saw buck in my pocket. If okay, you're that's over. fine. Well, I, you know, I think we're, we could easily, we're probably in the range of 48 to 52. You know, I, I think that's kind of where we could be. And I, well, you know, for sure, if a weather event hits Texas, we'll definitely get there on the supplier delivery number alone. 
Right. But you know, even even the inventory number is high. It's in the, it's at the higher range of what it normally is, and that's simply because everybody promised to take deliveries and they're taking them. So and, and you know with production being fifty one, I mean and, and people hiring freezes, I don't see that number getting much better. So I think we're you know and the other thing is uh, let me let me add one other, you know chemicals contracted now for the third straight month at the PMI level and the new order level and. We still have an advantage in natural gas compared to the world. Uh, we have a strong dollar, though. Uh, you got China being really weak, but chemicals, chemicals, basic, intermediate, plastics goes everywhere. It goes everywhere. Three straight months of contraction. So that kind of says, and they so they collect inputs from everybody. You know, I deal with one supplier. That one supplier deals with ten suppliers. Their suppliers deal with a hundred suppliers. The chemical industry is almost like a commodity. They get it from everywhere, and they've they've suffered three straight months here of contraction. Not even to mention that the price of oil is down at about or below $80, $80 a barrel, which is not a good number for manufacturing. We we like to see it around ninety or a hundred dollars a barrel, and business is good. When it's below eighty, business is not good. Yeah, well, that's because you sell it to the oil and gas guys. That's because you sell to the oil and gas guys. Yeah, boo. The good thing for the economy is about where it's at. But it's it's definitely sagged, and it has a lot to do with the prices coming down. Transportation expenses come with it because of fuel surcharges. That's a, that's a big wild card here. You know, you get the interest rates. I think it's pretty clear that the Fed is going to continue to raise those rates until they see pretty large-scale layoffs. And you got the Russian oil embargo. Uh, you know, coming in December 5th or something, December 7th. Outside of the fact that, you know, the guy's threatening nukes. It's like, what kind of nuts is this? How does how does that get fixed? And he's losing. That's <laughs> a nuke. He might not lose. Wow. Yeah. So, I, hey, I don't know. I think, I think we're going to, you know, like I said, 48 to 52. And that's not bad. I mean, that's, that's sort of hedging your bet on the fifty-two side. Yeah, well, it could you know give or take a few points here and there. You know, who knows? I mean, I, I think you know our our uh, seasonal adjustment, seasonal non-seasonally adjusted number, I think was fifty point five. By the way, okay. so the raw number is very close to the seasonal adjustment number, adjusted number. Yeah, I think it's fifty five. Fifty point five. Five zero point five. I'll call you in about two weeks and see if I retract my bet. You got to give me four weeks. Give me four weeks, and I'll right. let you know whether you want or not. <laughs> so, Jim, you usually break this down for us into inputs and outputs, and I wonder if you would kind of walk us through that. Yeah. So I already went through the demand side. You know, all four of them are are signaling issues. You know, backlog flat. Uh, you know, you can see the percent of comments here. You know, more and more of them said they had less backlog. Customer inventories concerning. You know, getting close. Uh, export orders, boy, no real good future there with the strong dollar and China being really weak and Europe being really weak. So, boy, that's not, and that's about 20% of the U.S. manufacturing, you know, so, and to have that where it's at is not good. So let's, we'll talk about the input side because that is kind of like no longer really the story. I'm not even sure I'm going to be really looking at supply chain issues anymore. I'm going to focus more on production output, not so much supply chain issues. no. There are still many issues, but it's not no longer the top issue because uh, things are freed up. Chips are still a problem, depending on who you ask and, and who you're dealing with, could continue through 2023. 
Um, but, you know, look at the delivery number. I mean, it's, it's slowly expanded. Uh, so essentially we're at a level consistent with last month. And, and I don't know why that's going to get worse. You know, if demand is slackening off and people are starting to, you know, hiring freeze at the production floor. So that should kind of stay where it's at. Uh, import level is relatively stable, 54, I think it is, last couple of months. And uh, there was, you know, stuff in the news recently about a lot of container uh, loadings being canceled because of lack of demand and the price of a container coming down. So, you know, you got that. You got the price number almost flat. So some uh, some significant percents of the prices were lower than they were the prior month. And that was back-to-back, -back, I think 28%. So prices were lower this month, and that was 28% last month. So prices seem to be coming down. So at least surcharges and increases have slowed, very much slowed. Um, and then, like I said, the inventory numbers at the high end, and that I don't think is at the high end for the right reason. It's because buyers are trying to negotiate settlements with their suppliers who went ahead and built stuff based on commitments. And uh, even though those commitments aren't as solid as they used to be, you know, buyers and, and suppliers have to work that out. And that's why you see the inventory number coming up. I don't think it's so much anymore about semi-finished goods uh, or even finished goods waiting to be delivered. I think it's more about taking early manufacturing inventory because you agreed to do that six months ago with the key supplier who told you, you either promise to take it when we have this handshake or you're in real serious trouble. So so the input side is pretty stable now. I think it's... Uh, it's kind of linked. We're, we're in a pretty good situation there. I just want to see the lead times come down. I like to see those lead times come down, you know, five or so days on CapEx and especially uh, raw material. So then you get into the, the consumption, the output side. And like I mentioned, you know, the production output was pretty weak at 51, give or take. And, you know, the big story, uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, is that the employment number is contracting. And this time it's contracting for, you know, for not the right reason, you know, up to this point, it was contracting because we couldn't hire people, and and then we people were quitting on us. Now it's because we're trading down uh, because of concern about moderate to long term demand. So that that's kind of it. I think it's it's you know it's not a bad report. We knew we'd get here someday. I'm a little bit disappointed that we that we probably are not going to beat our 34 month average. This is going to bring the average down. But I guess there was nothing really ever normal about this post-pandemic build-out. And I, I also think that the pandemic has now passed us by. It's not really an issue in U.S. manufacturing, except for China. I think, you know, China is still struggling. They, they're still shutting down. The, the, the supply chain is uncertain over there. Uh, there. You know, there's been a lot of activity to reshore things and nearshore things. That's probably helping a bit. But as far as domestic manufacturing, I think we're back into, you know, the seasonality again. I think what, four months ago, five months ago, I was saying there really is no seasonality anymore because we're, we're just trying to catch up. I think we've eliminated all that and there's no longer, we're back to seasonality factors being appropriate. Just like you said, Lou, you know, October is a strong manufacturing month in your experience. That's true. That's true. And so, and for that matter, so is November. Uh, so looking forward uh, or further forward from your opinion, how do you feel the country's going to end up the year? Uh, you know, I think I think companies will remain profitable. I, I, there's, there's a lot more push and shove going on about taking price increases. Uh, I, I don't think it's large scale yet. I think uh, we need to probably a couple more months of the softening stuff and you know lead times coming in again for you know, some of that to be happening. But uh, you know, I think we'll close the year pretty well. I think businesses are going to 
most businesses are going to beat their business plan. I think they're still able to pass through price increases, but not as easily as they were. And, you know, my perspective is, is that there's a lot of people positioning for 2023 not being dramatically better than 2022, uh, primarily because of the supply chain issues. And I, and I think this is really about being a little bit more optimistic in 2021 going into 22 about uh, the supply chain issues going away and then getting hurt for that. You know, many companies didn't quite meet their business plan because of supply chain issues in the first three quarters of the year. I think they're going to go in conservative for 2023 and we'll see where it goes. I think the supply chain issues are freeing up outside of chips. Uh, and then even in some chips, it's getting better. I mean, you know, how does Tesla deliver so many cars in a quarter without a lot of chips? And so, you know, it's, it's, it's freeing itself up. Tim, I'm wondering, uh, transportation we talked about for the first several months of this year, it was a problem. You couldn't get truck drivers. You couldn't get a truck to come in and pick up your goods. Uh, because of this softening or other issues, has that kind of gone away in the economy? Well, you know, it still depends on where you ask. But, uh, you know, generally, uh, on our headline comment section, let's just go back to June. 15% of the headline comments are transportation related. This month, five. That's that's pretty significant. Ocean freight, we had 15, 15% back in, in May, eight. So, and, and those aren't severe problems, it's just coordination problems. So I think the transportation side is kind of freed up a bit. And that's the facts are kind of supportive. In, in the supplier delivery section where you get a lot of them, uh, we peaked in the April timeframe and 39% of the comments are transportation, we're now at 15. So you know, I think that kind of says that transportation is easing a bit. Well, I guess those radio commercials uh, from trucks, trucking companies looking to hire drivers must be working. <laughs> yeah, or or you just can't, yeah. Well, well, you got a couple of dynamics at play here, hiring drivers, getting equipment, uh, right. and then having the demand. Yeah, so, no doubt. Yeah, a combination of all three are at play here. I, I think the demand side is weakened a bit. I think I'm going to take a part-time job driving a truck. That's a hard life. It is. Stick it's with what hard, you're doing. It's a hard wife or a hard life? Hard life. Stick <laughs> with what you're doing. You don't want to be a truck. Those, those guys work really hard. They really do. They really do. Especially if they're not bump and run guys. If they got to unload, that's a, you know, think about that. Up and down lift gates and lifting and moving pallet jacks. It's a dangerous hands. Yeah. No. <laughs> maybe, maybe when you were younger. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody said, who said this this week? Tim, about us elderly guys in the yellow jackets. Yeah, the elderly gentleman in the yellow jacket. What the hell is that all about? Well, they didn't talk about the guy without one, right? No, they were talking about the guys in the yellow jackets, the two elderly gentlemen. Yeah, they were being kind, didn't call us old fossils. <laughs> hey, with, uh, with, with age comes wisdom. Uh, That's exactly right. Uh, Tim, so it's still looking like we'll finish off the year okay. Uh, when is the Fed going to raise their rates again? I hate to even think they'll do it. Let's ask Lou. They're going to do it. Yeah, I think that's pretty They correct. keep doing it until it becomes a mistake. Yeah. They're already there. They just don't know it. <laughs> there it is. Well, I mean, you've heard the narrative. They don't want to do what others have done in the past and take their foot off the gas and have things reverse again. So, 
we're, we're definitely not at that point where you know the, the inflation battle is won. You know, the question becomes, and I've been trying to figure this out myself, when, are we ever going to get that back to pricing levels that we used to be at? And I, I'm thinking commodity markets, possibly. High commodity content stuff with, with not a lot of labor added, maybe. Stuff that has a lot of labor content, you need a recession to get that down. And that take not a, not a three-month recession. You need like a two-year where you're laying people off and you're bringing new people on at lower wage rates. And I'm, so th that's a really good question. Are we ever going to get down? I mean, the supply chain issues brought this whole inflation, started this whole inflation is the, is the belief. And I think I would agree with that, uh, that being part of this thing. Okay, where are we going? I and mean, we've talked about steel forever. We're at $700 a short ton now, $790 for steel. Can it get to $640? Yeah, maybe. You know, maybe there's a lot of commodity content in steel. Yeah. Uh, plant utilization is pretty low right now. Factory steel mills is pretty low. It's surprisingly low. Um, you know, oil and gas. How many times have we seen that go up and come down? So commodity markets could very easily get back to where they were. Uh, so if you have a, a, a significant amount of commodity in your product cost, then okay, I could see maybe that coming down too, because as a manufacturer, you should be able to pick up 2% productivity year over year. Uh, so it's really the stuff that's high labor content, you know, high, high, high labor content, whether it be uh, high gross margins, high labor content, that's going to be hard to move. The only way to get that back to where it was is to have a long-term layoff, long-term recession. And they never get back to where they were. They're, a loaf of bread is never going to be five cents again. So it will just come off a bit and then we'll work into the next expansion cycle. Well, I don't, I don't know. I can remember, what was it? This, from 2005 to 2012, uh, gross costs went up pretty much zero. Was it some, was some outlandish stuff? And a lot of that had to do with offshoring. You know, we went to low, lower labor cost areas. It actually offset wage inflation in the U.S. And right, That's there was correct. like a period of time there. I forget the exact dates. There was like seven years of no cost growth because of the tactics that we deployed in in keeping our cost base down. You know, in, including productivity improvements, automation. You know. All of that, and and to some extent, no wage growth. There's, you know, they've they've gone back and look at that too. There's been periods of time where there's no real wage growth. Well, it's interesting because we just had a discussion with Chris Keel, uh, an economist who does the flagship report with us, and he was talking about the same thing. We offshored inflation. It's an interesting concept, but that's in fact what we did. Yeah, we did. We all did. I know, and for the for the benefit of the U.S. consumer. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, I, I know because the U.S. consumer at all levels of the socioeconomic structure got the advantage of that. Uh, but you know, in, in that whole chase for the lowest possible cost, efficient total cost, you know, led to job declines in the U.S. and now we're bringing them back and and all that. It's it's yeah, that's why business is so great because. There's, there's never any one answer, and there are so many moving parts to, to everything. It's an exciting dynamic, and Tim, we appreciate you coming on from the Institute for Supply Management to report for us, and certainly All Metals and Forge Group is a sponsor for this show for near on a decade as we approach next month. It's been exciting to be with you again, Tim. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. So final message here, lead time's coming down, prices flat, production's flat. 
new order levels and demand is definitely soft. Uh, signs of employment freezing and a trading down to the appropriate levels. Not dramatic, not near-term layoffs, but definitely warning signs, moderate and long-term that uh, we're going to see a step down here in output. And I still say that next month's number is going to be higher than 50.9. Okay, that's uh, so 50, it's got to be 51 or better. 51 or better. Okay, all right, we'll see what happens four weeks from now. If I wanted to give you odds two to one, I'd say 52 or better. Is that what you want? <laughs> oh, geez, you're bold. <laughs> well, what's it going to be 51 uh, or 52 that's uh, 51 all right that's fair enough okay thanks much for being no, here i know i'm I'm not betting against you i'm just understanding what you think right i understand <laughs> right you don't want to do anything that you're not supposed to be doing so thanks well again. i think 48 to 52 that's a, I, you know to, to get any more precise than that i don't know how that's, I could, what, I, that's what you call hedging your bet yeah well i mean yeah there's a lot going on you bet. You bet. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to next month. Thanks for being here. You bet. Thanks. Bye. And thank you, everyone, for enjoying this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio, sponsored by All Metals and Forge Group with us. Check us out at jacketmediaco.com and also look at ismworld.org for more information. Thanks again for being with us. Thanks, everybody. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.